0: to the Early Weigh In Podcast. This week of UFC 291, headlined by the rematch between top lightweights Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. Both guys always known for delivering amazing fights. And, man, what I'm most excited for, our co-main event at light heavyweight. We have Alex Perea moving up to take on former champion Blahowitz. Uh, and, man, featured battle of the evening, Wonderboy versus Michelle Perea. Fireworks written all over it. Uh, nice striking battle there. The total of 12 fights uh, going down in Salt Lake City, Utah this weekend, so it makes things a little bit bit more interesting due to the elevation the fighters are going to have to fight at here. Uh, So as always, we talk our favorite fights, our favorite bets. Do us a quick favor, like the video, sub to the channel if you guys haven't before. As far as last week goes, UFC London bit of a doozy, if I'm being honest with you. There really wasn't a ton of finishes uh, until the very end. Aspinall did get the the quick finish that he was looking for. Bounced back nice from his injury, man. Uh, Got to brag on myself just a little bit. It was my second biggest night uh, betting, tracking since I've started. Uh, go ahead and let you recap how we finished up, man.
1: Yeah, man, since we've switched to the uh, the remote podcast, we've kind of gotten <laughs> away from the casual cap, but this is certainly a week where I feel like I'm wearing the casual <laughs> cap right now uh we'll look at your card first uh practically a, a sweep you did uh throw a hedge out there which was the mm-hmm. only loss on the card but we'll go through from top to bottom with starting with stole 250 only a half unit but uh definitely a solid read right there uh yoel alvarez over mark de didn't get it done as quickly as i thought that he would but uh definitely the the right side there mark de mm-hmm. kept on putting himself in those dangerous positions and it uh, looked like it it would have ended up that way eventually. Uh, Michael Parkin, you had two bets on him against mm-hmm. Jamal Pogue. Jamal Pogue's just an overblown, uh, you know, light heavyweight who's maxing yes. out at the limit mm-hmm. now at heavyweight. Um, I, I think that that was a really good read. I ended up tailing you on that pick. And then uh, Mahmoud Muradov over Brian Barbarina. He looked good. He looked good. Uh, I thought that he was going to actually get it done. There were a couple of moments where I thought that he was going to finish the fight. It just didn't end up happening. Uh, Ketlin Vieira over Panny. That one was probably the best bet on the card. I don't know. That was at least the first two rounds. Right. The first two rounds, it looked like the easiest bet. And then, yeah, Yeah. I guess you get a little bit of women's MMA as it (laughs) extends for sure. Um, And then Bruna Brazil over Shauna Bannon. It's a close fight. It's a yeah. close fight. I don't think that you'd remake that bet, but you did get the <laughs> the win right no. there. Um, Stolyarenko McCann under two and a half rounds. I like that bet for sure. I can't believe how Stolyarenko won it again.
0: That's that's pretty nuts. Eleven um, percent odds, man, on seventy five percent win condition. Pretty nuts. Yeah,
1: that, that was pretty wild. You had uh, Stolyarenko to win by sub in round one, plus eight hundred as well to win a couple units. Um, and then the under one or two and a half rounds in the Roberts versus Johnny Parsons fight I actually didn't get to watch that fight, but, uh,
0: hit pretty easy. Uh, slobber knocker. Honestly, the boys were slinging.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Good.
0: fight. Uh, What was that? Good fight. Cool. Cool.
1: And then, uh, like we talked about the day Casey wins round three or decision, that was his win condition. So I definitely understand the hedge there. Uh, You ended up plus 10.38 units with an 86% return on investment. Definitely a night to brag about looking over at my card, man. It was tough. Like I said, on, uh, on the tweet that I gave out, I think there was a quite a bit of variance and then a couple of bad reads on my part. We'll start off with my bad read of the night, which was Josh Kulabau over Laurel Murphy. Uh, Just the physicality was too much. Ultimately I think that that was the biggest thing that, I uh, was holding Josh Kulabau back, and even though I was, it was plus money, I don't think that that was the side. Even with it being plus money, my next bet on Davy Grant that was a little tough pill to swallow right there. I thought, if anything, he'd get the home cooking, but yeah. not even about the home cooking. I thought he won that fight. You know, I thought uh, that he pretty easily took that fight on, or at least should have. And so that's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. Um, quite a big swing right there. Michael Parkin, like I said, tailed you on that one was happy to get in on a 6 and 0 heavyweight uh, against somebody like Jamal Pogues. I think that a plus money spot there is always the spot. Sean uh,
0: Pokes Shana came up crying. Well, crying in his uh like his walkout and I knew catch the bed before the fight even started. <laughs> uh
1: Sean versus versus Bruno Brazil. Uh, I was really hoping for some home cooking there because that's what All it right. would have taken to <laughs> actually win that fight. She made it close, but, uh, you know, it, I don't think that she deserved to win. So I, I can uh, definitely eat that one. The Danny Barres fight, this one was actually what kicked off the night. And I was like, you know, OK, this is the type of night I'm about to get here. He looked <laughs> minus one thousand for the for the first two and a half minutes. He dropped him twice to the body mm-hmm. and just I don't know, was scared to go into the guard of Filho. I would have much rather have seen him to follow him to the ground than give him the opportunity to stand back up, uh, but is what it is aspinall sub round one um, I don't think that the stoppage was early, you know it, I kind of thought that he was gonna let him beat him out a little bit. Uh, but Tibera covered up and Aspinall got it done like he was supposed to. The the sub was a, a long shot, but I did think that Tibera would look to scramble a little bit more than than just laying on his back and accepting mm-hmm. that that uh beating that he took. Uh Mark De versus Yoel Alvarez under one and a half. Um it was an excellent line. Like I think the majority of them were uh, minus money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd ended up not hitting by a couple of minutes. I uh, thought right. that Joel's win conditions were before that one and a half round mark, but he ended up being able to sub it or still keep that like submission uh danger all the way into the second round. Uh, Muradov inside the distance. I don't know, man, it was a setup fight. Like I thought it was. And Muradov was piecing him up. He was landing all the shots he could. It's just Barbarina's, uh, toughness. It's like Darren Elkins, man. It's hard to bet against it. And I probably uh, shouldn't have add had plus three and a half points. I loved that bet because Stolyarenko had, you know, value as you, you know, you talked about us hitting it just straight. Um, but I, I did think that she was going to win that first round. And if she didn't get that submission, I thought that it was an easy, well, she's going to win that first round and all judges scorecards. So even if she didn't win, I loved that bet. Thankfully she just cashed it without a sweat. It was minus 110, so I was happy with that. And then uh, my last bet of the night, Chris Duncan versus Yanel Ashmos. I had Ashmos plus three and a half, and we talked a little bit about this before the pod started. It's just a tough – it's tough because, yes, Chris Duncan looked great, but I think that there's a lot of people that could look great against a one-handed fighter. Um, So the fact that he didn't get the finish was a a little Mm -hmm. concerning, and Ashmos with one arm was started to land on him in the third round. I just feel like it, it could have been a lot different, even if he wasn't going to win the fight. I think Ashmost could have stole a round um, if we actually got to see that fight play out like uh, like I was hoping. Right. Either way, tough, tough night. It was minus 6.99 units, minus 62% return on investment. Um, it's not the worst night I've ever had, but <laughs> it was definitely a bad night, hoping to get back on the right track this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We move on to the main event where the, uh, the BMF title is on the line uh, in the lightweight division. It's Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje too. both of these guys. They've had a very similar run since after their first match, they've both gone six and two. They both got the title shot and then they both lost to the same two guys in Khabib and Charles Oliveira. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a really tough fight to break down stylistically and at the end of the day, I just keep coming back to who wants it more at this point in their career. Um, as far as when the fight starts, I, I do think that each guy is going to have a similar success as they did in their first fight. Gaethje, he lands those leg kicks early and often. And I think that that's going to take a toll on Dustin as the fight uh, wears on Dustin. I think that he's probably going to win the boxing exchanges, especially early, um, but you know, even with both guys having those successes with their, with their weapons, I, like I said, it comes down to grit. You know, I'm sh- either guy has the ability to shut the other guy's lights out with a good punch. But when you get to this level um, and you don't have a glaring advantage like Khabib or Islam do, you're subject to get involved in these wars just because you're as tough as the next guy. And you're also as skilled as the next guy. And I think that these guys line up relatively evenly when it comes down to to toughness and their skill level um so then i have to look at motivation um for you know what they want to do for the remainder of their career are they going to have another title shot do they do they think that they can have another title shot is the bmf bmf title their pinnacle is another conor mcgregor fight what they're looking for ultimately in their career and you know, all the signs to me it points to Gaethje, and I, I don't even blame Poirier for that. You know, after having three McGregor fights, I gotta imagine the the steam, the 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 drive to want to get into these wars and fight. It starts to wear off, man. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's a risky way to base any, my pick on at all. But ultimately, I think that these guys very evenly matched. I want to have the side that's plus money. I I want to try and find a mental edge and I I do think that that Gaethje's got it here you know it's happening at Elevation Justin Gaethje's home and uh, it's just icing on the cake so for me Gaethje is the pick uh, but I think we're in for an absolute war Um, it's no no wonder why everybody's so excited for this fight and even though it's not a title fight Mm -hmm. uh, we're making a pay-per-view for it I don't have a, a, a clear winner I'm hoping that maybe you have a little bit more clear read on this fight And you're frozen, but just to, just to be clear, Gaethje is the pick on this fight, especially
0: at Plus Money. You go ahead. I, you. I see you now, man. Um, I think we see the fight pretty pretty dang similar in terms of where the value is here. When you watch back their first fight, uh, DC says it like right at the beginning, and these are the ones, man. You know, These are the kind of fights that regardless of this BMF, no belt situation, these are the ones that get you pumped up because neither one of these guys are ever in a boring fight you know, I'm, I'm never missing a Poirier fight. I'm never missing a Gaethje fight. And you talked about a perfect time to run it back. Same record since, you know, since they last fought. they're both 34 years old. They uh, they lost by submission to the same guys as well. Um, and neither one of them seemed eager at all to give one of these younger prospects a chance to to crack the top five. And That's where I got to give my props to Justin Gaethje because I don't think there's a chance in hell that Poirier takes the Fazia fight, that Poirier takes a a Gamrot fight or, you know, or an Armin fight. Um, And I got to mention, props to him for cashing the plus 200 ticket for us as well, uh, taking that fight. When I go and watch back tape on their first fight, it's pretty clear to me, um, you know, Dustin is the the far better striker, the far better boxer. Uh, But a couple things to note. Um, you know, Gaethje was four months removed from getting knocked out in that back-and-forth war from Eddie Alvarez, if that had any effect on his ability to take the shot, quite possibly. Um, but I feel like the most evident thing in this matchup is the how much more poised and patient Justin is here. You know, that's what's most evident to me in the changes in either one of their game. He's not the cover-up and just – like he used to describe, meet you in the middle like a car wreck. That's just not the same Justin Gaethje approach anymore, and it allows for him to be better defensively. His boxing's well more refined. It allows for a better gas tank down the stretch. Uh, and while Poirier has never given me a reason to the question his hard at all, you brought up the fact that Gaethje trains at elevation and wonder if that could have an effect late in this fight at all. The leg kick's... I feel like it's it's what Gaethje has to go to here again. You know, I feel like just maybe a, a much more patient approach with those, set those kicks up a little bit better. You take away the jab and the power of Dustin all day, but you say I have to say at the same time, it was a, a leg kick that Dustin got the timing of in the fourth round and, and was able to counter, which led to the finish. So it's it's all about game planning, and you kind of just talked about the the level this of high high level lightweights here, man. Dustin's extremely sharp. Everything's in combination. He's a rare, like, you know, he's a rare right handed southpaw. So he carries the the power in his lead hand as well. But I think it's 50 50, man. Uh, I don't see this being 60 40, kind of like the lines indicating at this point. Um, And to kind of reference that Fazia fight in terms of motivation, going over to Europe, beating a young prospect like I think that can kind of relight the fire, you know, for somebody like Justin Gaethje, whereas whereas Dustin, you know, at this point he already says he needs fights to kind of get up for, you know. He's got his hot sauce. He's got his good fight foundation. So I think motivation can be capped into it at this point. For somebody sitting at plus 130, I think is going to be the side for me. Uh, have you looked at any props for this fight at all? Um here i mean so the the over two and a
1: half is obviously the the most interesting
0: that's what, I, that's what I got it i i, I got it or uh, like minus 120 i think it should be like a minus 160 personally you know we see rematches even go the full distance all the time you know uh
1: yeah it, it's a tough one to pick you talked about uh what fights that Dustin Poirier would actually get up and get motivated for he was only he was only willing to accept that Michael Chandler fight after Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje proved that they could be, beat him you know so getting the Justin Gaethje fight yeah man I do think that this is this all kind of leans to to him being an underdog and and him being the side as well being at that price tag and just kind of where Justin's at or Dustin's at in this point in his career but the under two and a half. Uh, it's tough. I think it's a it's a really like hard play to make for somebody who's a fan of MMA. But ultimately, like <laughs> you see it time and time again at this level, there's there's a there's a different level of warrior in these fighters. And it does prolong fights, especially when they when they get this good. So yeah. I'm, I'm on the over with you, although I don't know if I'm going to be able to find uh find a, a play on it i think it's kind of sticking around there so um if i hear some more people that are on that side i could towards the end of the week be on the same side with you nice uh
0: co-main event what i'm most excited for man jan blockowitz taking on alex Brehea. and you know with the state of the light heavyweight division uh, in scrambles yet again since the goat has left uh this could be Potential number one contender fight here. I know they even briefly talked about making this for the belt, I think. Uh, blockowitz he's coming in here with so much more uh, MMA experience. Uh, But, man, he he is at the age of 42. And, you know, Blockowitz is somebody that I've kind of always criticized to an extent. I think he's kind of overachieved a bit. Um, I thought his run to the belt kind of included a lot of middleweights. You know, Rockhold, Souza, he fought Izzy. You got to throw in the loss to Tiago Santos and, uh, you know, his fight against Glover Teixeira. I thought he looked career worst. I thought he was losing to Rackage prior to that injury. Um, And that led me to fade the guy pretty hard against Magomed Ankulaev. And I thought he almost looked career best, you know, Uh, outside of him struggling with the wrestling late in that fight he impressed me very much how he was able to match Ankoliyev in the stand-up, And that was an area that I thought Ankoliyev had his number all day. Um, but I think I'll even be more shocked if he were to have success here on the feet, you know, um, I feel like he, he kind of has to come out here with the same approach to Izzy. I think he has to put the wrestling singlet on and for good reason with Perez showing suspect defense in the past, but he goes out there and, Initiates the block of blitz, and he might just get absolutely slept, you know, by the left hook, like Tiago Santos. You know, you look at the shot that starts the Glover finish, it's a left hook. And any type of success Izzy was really having on the feet, it was, you know, it was with the left hook, man. And that's something that Alex just has made his career off of. And then you kind of address the calf kick, which is a big weapon of Blockowitz. And I think Alex has the better calf kick. I think he does a great job of checking them, and he almost throws it even more like, both of them, like, they don't sell it whatsoever. It's just thrown out, like, very nonchalantly, just very accurate. Um, I just think Pereira has the better one, man. And, and, you know, I also look at the weight classes that Alex fought in leading up to the UFC, and a lot of them were light heavyweight kickboxing fights. It leads me to think that this drop to middleweight in the UFC was solely to chase Izzy. And I, I feel like he's 100% healthier um, as a fighter at 205. But then I got to bring up the fact that he's coming out three months removed from a massive KO. And so I, I'm just torn, man, on, on on the sides here, and especially as it continues to be a pick because I think the winner is going to look minus 500. I think Alex is going to come out here and sleep him, put him away on the feet, or Jan just makes it look extremely easy with the wrestling. And so when I see a volatile matchup like that, I'm, I'm much more inclined to hit the under two and a half, which is what I did. Um but I think I'm going to side with Pereira. Like to hear your thoughts? Maybe something similar.
1: Um, yeah, so I I'm with you. It's it's really hard not to try and simplify the outcome into this of this fight solely based on whether or not Jan can score some uh, some takedowns early. Uh, but that's definitely the first question when breaking this fight down. And I lean towards no, man. You know, I, I think. Truthfully, the only time that we've seen Jan have any success with his wrestling, in recent fights at least, is that bout with Izzy. Outside of that fight, he hasn't landed a takedown in five years. This being only a three-round fight makes me think that he even has less time to get comfortable with the timing of the takedowns than he did in the Izzy five-rounder that he was in. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the more, like you said, the more time that I think about, time spent on the feet with Pereira, um, the more I can picture Jan trying to close the distance and getting clipped with those counters, Pereira having Glover as a main training partner is such an odd thing to cap into this matchup because, you know, I, I mean, essentially Glover is probably the best possible person to improve your wrestling and grappling against in the training room that you could yeah. ask for. But is is it even realistic to think that training with Glover is going to have a profound impact on a 36-year-old kickboxer? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So I don't know if that's going to translate to the upper echelon of fighters who have been doing this their entire life um, and have the capabilities of just getting the fight to the mat. Now, here's the biggest thing about Jan's game that I think is kind isn't just it just isn't getting talked about enough enough um now when Yan is able to get the fight to the mat very rarely is it him initiating a double leg it's more of like him getting out of scrambles and then tying up into it we we saw uh we saw that specifically in the nikita krylov fight where he got taken down and then while he was getting back to his feet is how he initiated the takedown on krylov and it's his ability to recognize that perfect technique is not needed to finish fights when you're a light heavyweight man. You look at the two submissions he has in the UFC, Devin Clark and Nikita Krylov. The Clark one, it's a rear naked choke on the fence <laughs> with no leverage and just using arm strength. And then... Um, The Krylov, you know, it's listed as an arm triangle, but it's practically a rear naked choke with an arm trapped inside. He's hanging off the side of Krylov and just bears down as hard as he can with a rear naked choke lock and uh, is able to force the tap. And it's that, that sneaky aspect of his grappling game that I think could be really effective against somebody like Alex, who might not have that wherewithal to remain calm mm-hmm. um, in a compromising position with Jan. I definitely could see somebody with the lack of grappling experience freaking out. Um, ultimately, I think it's going to be a good fight. I don't think that Jan is going to find that timing with, with just three rounds. Um, if he's able to survive those first two, I think that, um, that he could, he could get the ground game going in the third, but I think early on Alex has worked hard enough to where he's going to be able to keep it in, the, uh, on the feet and Jan's just getting slower and older and not reacting the best to to hard shots. And while he did look great against Magomed Ankilayev, Ankulayev, unless he lands the, the front kick, he's not really a power puncher. You know, I, I think that Pereira holds quite a bit more power than than Ankylaev and uh, mm-hmm. offers a little bit more danger than a lot of the fighters that Giannis faced recently. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm also leaning towards the Alex Pereira side. Nice. For the featured bout of the pay-per-view, we go to the welterweight division where we see Stephen Wonderboy t- Thompson taking on Mikhail Pereira. I mean, you know, for a while now, I've always been into backing wonder boy against strikers, right? Yep. You know, he's proven time and time again, that his stand-up is elite of the elite. Um, but like, like most things, it must come to an end eventually, man. Um, since his fight with Kevin Holland last year, Steven Thompson has surpassed that 40 year mark in his life. And even if it's not warranted, it is a huge red flag to anybody who's been watching MMA for a while. Um, that's just a milestone that we don't see very many fighters reach in their career. And when they do, there's some obvious downhill right. uh, effects to passing that age. Now he's matched up against Michelle Pereira, who if he isn't the most, then he's one of the most explosive strikers in the UFC. And, uh, he's over a full decade younger than wonder boy here, um, now, if you're not privy to those in those the stats about fighters with a 10 year age gap, I'm pretty sure in 2023 they're they're 21 and one now. Yeah. Something that like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's a really tough trend to want to bet against, man. You know, um, if this fight were to be taking place three to five years ago, uh, I'd be inclined to make a max bet here on Wonder Boy in this spot, you know, but. As Michel has settled into becoming a UFC UFC fighter, we've also seen a huge mentality shift from someone who came into the UFC as a a quote-unquote prize fighter uh, to a disciplined mixed martial artist who has some legitimate skills and is continuously improving on those skills to round out his game, which we've seen in his most recent fights with uh, mixing in the takedowns and everything. (laughs) Um, You know, just from gassing out in that Connolly fight to, to putting together four straight decision wins i think that he's certainly come a long way since he entered in 2019 and, and still not even being 30 years old uh, i think he's got a lot of potential here um okay. now i'm not really sure how this fight plays out but i do think that we're in for an excellent fight which is why i've made it my fight of the night um even though all these signs are pointing to the the younger faster stronger fighter i do feel inclined to just stick with my gut, go with Steven Thompson one more time before he calls it quits. Um, And, you know, also for what it's worth, he has been pretty vocal about not wanting to accept shitty matchups anymore. You know, he said he's put in the time for the company accepted too many bad stylistic matchups in his career to now become some stepping stool for the new wave of wrestlers. I think that he personally sees a winnable fight here against Pereira, uh, which is why I'm choosing to roll with him one last time here.
0: (laughs) Third fight in a row for me that I uh, I struggle, like, clearly with picking, you know, a side as far as money line worth betting. Part of me just screams bet Wonderboy here because I think it largely plays out on the feet. And I'd almost take him 60% there against anybody. You know, I just feel like Pereira could get stuck playing the kicking game with the, the best karate guy in the UFC, get stuck at range, not letting his strikes go because he can't get his timing and just kind of get behind on volume. I, I feel like Wonderboy this point. Uh, the, another thing is the kind of the unorthodox style of Michelle Perea. I, I do think that sometimes when you're as technical as Wonderboy, it is sometimes it's the really unorthodox guys who could be the most trouble. It's Anthony Pettis throwing a, Flying Superman punch off the cage. That's the only time you get knocked out in your career. You know, Prey is also a massive, massive welterweight. I feel like there could be some real size advantage come fight night in terms of like sheer size and, and muscle. And then in his last three decisions, 100 significant strikes, which is pretty impressive. Uh, big turnaround from you talked about uh, the Tristan Connolly gassing and then the power edge. Even if this fight's close, we've seen Wonderboy fight to a draw and lose with to Woodley solely off the basis of one knockdown or something, you know. We saw him lose to Till home cooking or not because the fight was close, but Till landed the bigger shots and, and you know, he surpasses all these guys in terms of volume, but the knockdown kind of steals the round, and that does worry me for a forty-year-old. And while Bilal and Burns are really the only guys who have successfully held wonder boy down to win minutes i feel like you know there is some small takedown upside so it sort of feels dogger pass to me Uh, i'm probably gonna sit it out but i'm gonna be cheering hard for wonder boy to get this one done as well man um what's your fight of the night yeah you and me both and yeah excuse me this is my
1: fight of the night it is also at welterweight and it is michael kiesa taking on kevin holland um Initially, looking at this matchup, I immediately wanted to put my money on Chiesa, uh, obviously a clear grappling edge um, that, that he's going to possess in this matchup, or at least should have in this matchup. Um, but the more and more I looked into it, the more I started to doubt where exactly Chiesa was mentally at this point in his career. He ended up losing two straight fights to uh, Luque and Sean Brady which subsequently jump-started his passion for commentating. And from a fan's point of view, at least, it looked to me like Chiesa was uh, focusing the majority of his energy pursuing that commentary career than he was a fight career. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's looking to make a comeback to the Octagon after a, you know those couple cushy years at the commentary desk to test his skills against big-mouth Kevin Holland And I think from a stylistic point of view, this is an excellent opponent to come back to. You know, Kevin's had issues in the past with just about every wrestler that he's faced. And he's uh, he seemed like to me, Kevin seems like the type of guy who isn't taking the fight game serious enough to patch those holes as Mm -hmm. he's continuing in his career. Um, Now, there are some obvious red flags when, uh, you know, it comes to the game of Kevin Holland. I think that he's a different animal at 170 pounds, though. You know, his work work rate has jumped up significantly. Um, You can actually see that size advantage that he holds at at welterweight. And I think that here he's going to have more dangerous weapons off his back than we've seen whenever he is getting held down at 185 pounds, um, just strictly because of that length. And I I think that that's going to force Michael or Chiesa to... To work rather than just lay on top of him. Um, now, there's one fight that point that sticks out into my head, and I can remember betting Neil Magny at <laughs> the same price tag. It's like minus one forty-five. So I'm pretty sure I laid two units on him uh, against Michael Chiesa, and it was a day fight. Like it was a day yeah. fight card, Navi or something. Yeah, and I, I remember being at work, and just man, there's nothing like losing a fight to a wrestler where he just keeps on taking him down and he doesn't move and your guy won't get off of his back. And that could easily be what happens here, man. I hate that. I hate that. But I do think that Kevin Holland is quite a bit more dangerous than Neil Mackney has ever been, you know? And that that's kind of what I'm leaning on in this fight. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a world... Where, where Kiesa comes out here and gets a quick sub on Kevin Holland, who's shown those grappling deficiencies against people like Hamzat. But I, I also think that there's um, a fight where Kevin is able to extend it past that first grappling exchange. And it's going to break the will of Kiesa, who I suspect has, has lost a little bit of that dog in him and, A dog that, in my opinion, was already a little suspect before he started his commentary job. So now you've got him at 35 years old thinking that he's got a good stylistic matchup. And I think that he's got a little bit of that, you know, Dom Cruz mentality where it looks really easy from that commentary booth. But when you get back in there against the guys who like Kevin Holland, who's only 30 years old. Uh, man, he's got a lot of dangerous aspects to his game and he might be in for a rude awakening so i I lean towards Kevin Holland, but I think that this fight is going to be a banger
0: so it's why it's my fight of the night. that's a nice one I don't want to touch too much on the fight because I am gonna pop back over here in another section in just a couple minutes but he talked about you know just the mental confidence commentary booth and just the overall possibility of quit and Michael Matt you know Michael kiesa and then uh, you know, with Kevin Holland, man, you look and watching the embedded, something's wrapped all around the ankle at one point, he even at one point, like says, "Oh, that's just a. Yeah. boy fight as well. Um, I think this is another fight where there is a possibility, uh, that we could see a finish. And I, I think you got a, a really good fight, man. Uh, Far as my fight to pick uh, for fight of the night, I went to the heavyweight division where we see the black bleached Derek Lewis taking on Marcos Rogério de Lima, and you know Derek Lewis is no one who needs an introduction at this point. Most UFC KOs always takes advantage of the microphone, uh, but the Derek Lewis that we all that we all knew and loved is is long gone in my opinion. You know, lost four of his last five, all by finish. Man, two of them are pretty, like, bad knockouts. You know, he just seems to not be able to take the shots he can anymore. Gone and Spivak just beat him pillar to post and and literally made him quit, you know. And he's always been one that we've kind of been considered a quitter in our books to begin with. Now at 38 years old, the guy knows he's not getting a title shot. All these prospects are already beating him. So, yeah, it brings you to question the guy's motivation, as he's always been one that's just fighting for money, been vocal about it, you know. So, there's a big fear that this guy's just absolutely showing up for a paycheck on Saturday. Uh, the to his props, you know, made a living on that next-level power, uh, that fuck-you-get-up strength from side control that he has. You know, we've seen him down on the scorecards to Volkov, Tibera, Travis Brown, and the guy just needs one shot, you know, and knockouts of Curtis Blades. Tape man, uh, it just it tells me that I got to side with Delima here. You know, in my opinion, the guy should probably be on a five-fight win streak. I think the careers for these guys are trending in clear different directions, and I think he has the power to put him on the uh, to put Derek Lewis away on the feet, and I think he's a whole lot faster as well, which will be a big difference. The nasty leg kick that we see find the home on Waldo Acosta is just going to tear through uh, Derek Lewis early here, and I think. You know, I think he's if like neither one is going to have a good gas tank. I'll just start preface it by saying that. But at elevation, if if it does happen to go later over that one and a half rounds, I think Delima has the cage control, the takedown upside, and and maybe the superior gas tank. If, if I have to pick one of the two, so I couldn't pass up my chance, man, this week to fade Tony Ferguson and and Derek Lewis. I think they're both washed. Best days far behind him. So, at plus, I got plus money. So I just got a little one unit parlay with Bobby Green and Rogerio Delima. Is going to be the pick for me.
1: I like it. I, you know, not not for the sake of your bet, but I would like to see Derek Lewis get one more before he leaves. <laughs> right? I'd hate for him to just go out as the knockout king that gets finished like three straight times or something. Clear like step that. down for him. Yeah, absolutely a step down for him. Yeah. Um. Let's see. This uh, my fighter to watch. We go to the flyweight division where we see Miranda Maverick as my fighter to watch. Man, how could she not be my fighter to watch here? Came into the UFC with some some of the higher expectations from yeah. a female fighter that I've seen in a while. And being only 23 years old when she made her debut inside the octagon, sky was the limit. Uh, since that debut stoppage win against Joe she's now three and three. And I think that her potential has really been called into question recently. I mean, maybe not from everybody, but certainly from me, uh, you know, here she is again coming in as a super juicy favorite after just getting upset by Jasmine um, who was able to find that success against her with just forward pressure and, and sheer size. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now Miranda Mavericks matched up against Priscilla Cachoeira, who stylistically it looks like a great fight on paper for Miranda, uh, it's just tough to trust her here as a three to one favorite after just mm-hmm. dropping the ball in her last outing at only 26 years old. I think that she's still got plenty of time to change the traje- trajectory of her career. But I do think that this is an extremely important fight to win. If she plans on getting that opportunity to make a shift in her career under the UFC banner, yeah. uh, having gone one and three in her last four, uh, this is one that she's going to have to put together because I don't think the UFC's. Uh, you know, above cutting a 26 year old in hopes that she can go on the regional scene and make her way back into the UFC before 30. And I think that that's the route that she goes, that she's on if she loses this fight to Priscilla Cachoeira.
0: Yeah, she, uh, it's definitely her fight to lose, man. All things point to her being able to get it done. So nice fighter to watch. I think kicks off the card as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, fighter to watch for me, uh, men's flyweight, Vinicia Salvador, Uh, The guy seems to kind of be the public underdog this week. When you watch his tape back, the guys a very exciting fighter. He's finished all 14 wins inside the distance, 13 of those being TKOs. And for me, it's pretty impressive for a flyweight. Uh, And for me, that's very intriguing um, for someone to have that kind of finishing potential and and their line be it plus money. That's something I always kind of look at at an underdog. Um, The biggest level uh, or the biggest knock on this guy is, is the level of competition. Now, I, I again, got a reference. He's finished every single one of these guys. But there are times where he's fighting guys with no professional fights where he has 10 or more professional fights, you know, and, you know, not the things you like to see. uh, But on the feet, man, I think Vinicius is a better striker. So, you know, at plus money, he has finishing upside, and I think he holds an advantage here. The guy has great forward pressure, crazy good volume. He works the body. He's long. He's athletic. He's athletic. And he showed very good takedown defense. He showed very good get-up game uh, get last time against Altamirano. Altamirano went three for 22 on takedown attempts. And that was a very, very high-paced fight. Until the end, Vinicius' gas tank still looks good to me. In terms of Vergara, um, again, I, I think he's outclassed on the feet. I think he needs to wrestle here to, to have success against Vinicius. And here's the thing. The guy's not attempted a single takedown in his four UFC fights or his Dana White's contender series fight. It's, it's never been in the game plan for him in a fight before. And and so if he, if he does come out here and use it, you know, cool. It's just something he's never shown me that is used before. I've also seen this guy hurt on the feet by Klitson Rodriguez um, and Daniel Lacerda, both guys who just don't have the gas tank to keep the pressure on. Like I think Vinicius does. And although it's Tatsuro Tyra, you know, I've seen someone who's able to go out there and land takedowns on CJ as well. So Ultimately, looking at the fight, to me, it feels 50 50 at worst. You know, I, I hate joining the public underdog, but I do understand why people jumped on it. And I, I do agree, is there being some value here? So, Vinicius Salvador, my fighter to watch this week, man, as he tries to get his first UFC win.
1: I like it. I like it. That's a fight that I haven't looked too much into, but uh, maybe I'll end up on the same side as the week comes closer. Uh, for my underdog pick, it would have probably have been Justin Gaethje, but we've talked about him just enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I know that this is against your pick, but at mm-hmm. current odds, I think Euroshmedic is a good underdog right now. Yeah. I think yeah. that Matthew Simelsberger, a lot like Jake Matthews, is kind of uh, this grappler turned striker, and he's really fallen in love with it. And I think that that could really get him in trouble in a matchup like this. I think if he does go to the ground early, um, that he could really outmuscle muscle at being just a bigger fighter. But if this becomes a striking match for the first round and a half, I think Euros is live. Just like he was in all of his fights leading up into the UFC, he is a problem for those first two rounds. And uh, if you can't get him to the ground and neutralize those attacks, I think he's the much cleaner striker in this matchup. And if he's getting ballooned to this plus 180 line, uh, I think that, yeah, he's he's got more than enough value on him as a dog in this spot don't know if i'm going to be be able to actually get to him or anything i just think that he's at least dangerous enough to finish this fight and i like that in my
0: dog you know absolutely man uh yeah i uh talk about that fight in a second here in terms of my underdog um i'm gonna go to the michael kiesa side uh it's kind of why i just didn't touch base on it a bunch earlier but uh i got a one unit shot on him here and in in terms of it was just kind of like an auto bet for me at this point. You know, I, I do understand the concerns, the two-year layoff, the comfy spot behind the commentary booth. He's 35 years old, and he's got the disadvantages in just about every physical attribute here. Styles make fights, man. And, and when when that guy that I think has the superior wrestling, and I've seen wrestling cause uh, Kevin Holland issues, plus money, that's – that's tempting to me, man. I, I can also guarantee Kiesa to go out here and wrestle. The guy's landed a takedown in 16 of his 17 UFC fights. He has great jiu-jitsu, man, uh, and I think he has higher submission upside than guys like Brunson, guys like Vittori, guys like Darren Stewart. I think he's far more first on the ground than those guys are in terms of being able to finish a fight. Um, but if need be, he's not afraid to just ride out control like the Neil Magny fight and just make it boring. I reference that fight in my breakdown a lot. It's a fight where he racks up over 15 minutes of control time, and I do think that's a path to victory for him here too. Holland, to me, seems very inside the distance or bust. Um, As as Kiesa has mental lapses, I, I think Kevin checks out of fights just as much to an extent. You see him quit on the stool against Wonderboy with a broken hand. You see Ashmos fight a full 15 minutes with a broken hand. You know, you see Josh Emmett fight 20, 15 minutes with tearing everything in his knee and Kevin Holland in a close fight, you know, it's is letting wonder boy back to his feet. Is quitting on the stool. I can't lay juice on that type of fighter. I also think potential of injuries and stuff looking at the embedded. I think he has bad cardio as it is. And in elevation, I can see Kevin Holland having nothing left come round three. Um, I did bet the under two and a half here, but uh, it was a must play for me for Kiesa at plus 130 this week.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Um, we move on to the prop section of the podcast. I don't love the odds. I don't love the odds. I was wishing it was a little bit juicier, but it is my prop of the week. It's it's uh, Stephen Thompson by decision. I, like I think that that's his win condition. I don't think that there's any world where he knocks out Michelle Pereira. He Michelle actually has an excellent chin. He's been yep. caught a couple of times and just kind of walks through it. He's a physical brute in that division, um, and I think that if he where he lacks the technical skills to touch up Stephen Thompson, he has all the durability. And I just think that you know we're subject to see Stephen Thompson just outclass him here, and I'd be much I'm much more inclined to play Stephen Thompson by decision plus one sixty than I am laying juice on him here as a favorite at minus yep. one fifty. So uh, my prop
0: of the week is Thompson by decision. I like it. I think that's his best path to victory as well. Uh, prop for me, I'm going to go Miranda Maverick versus Priscilla Catuera under two and a half, minus f- one fifteen, minus one ten on some books. Um, I think. Mavericks bouncing back from career worst performance, dropping the ball as a big underdog where she got out grappled by, you know, just not basically being less physical. I don't know how many times we got to see size be the deciding factor in women's MMA. Uh, But I just think she's got an excellent stylistic matchup to get herself back on track. And I think she knows it. I don't, I don't think anybody would argue with me that Miranda Maverick is just the way better fighter here. I think more technical in the standup. Training at elevation, I think, despite it being short notice, she's going to have the superior gas tank. And I think she's got a massive grappling edge in this fight. I think she's got big submission upside, and that's how I think she does finish this fight. Uh, Cachuera, of her last five fights, four of them have finished inside the distance, win or lose. The fight with on Kim was a back-and-forth, drag them out slobber knocker, man. Um, and there's also the small chance that we do see Maverick Gas here on short notice trying to grapple so heavily in, in Cachuera, get that knockout in the, you know late the second, third round or something. She girl's got good power and, and good killer is, instinct. Um, I just I think the style of Cachuera also lends to hitting the under two and a half on her own. I think the number is very generous for just a Cachuera fight. And now I think she's severely outclassed. You know, um, she's taken her best, biggest step up in competition, in my opinion, since fighting Valentina Shevchenko. And I think Maverick's going to get her down and, and finish her on Saturday, man.
1: I like it. Um, best bet for you. Or the best bet of the podcast. I'm going and you know, okay. So I'm a little skeptical to do it because last week's best bet was Alex Mooney, uh, Mooney's uh, Andre Mooney. Andre sorry. Mooney. And uh, <laughs> it was all subject on like, like depending on how they looked uh, during face-offs and Paul Craig came in there looking awesome, dude. Yeah. So I was happy I at least avoided losing even more units by laying off of Andre Mooney's <laughs> this past week. Um, this one, I also think that there's going to be quite a bit of line movement come face-offs. I am curious how big Alex Pereira looks up against Jan Blach. Um, I think that if he looks just as big or bigger, that the line's going to shift, and we're going to see minus 120s on Alex. Um, so right now, him at minus 104 dog price, technically, I think that he's my best bet here. And I think that if he sizes up well with Jan, I don't think that Jan has the... Um, just pure wrestling to get mm-hmm. this fight to the ground without timing up some of the the shots of Alex Pereira when he's overextending and you know Alex doesn't overextend too bad whenever he is fighting i think you know where alex is going to have problems getting taken down is when he tags Jan and he's looking for a finish i think that he can get a little overzealous in his finishing and he forgets about having to defend takedowns as well. And we could see Jan with his back against the cage, just shoot enough to get it out into the open octagon and ride that out for however long he needs to recover. Um, So that's, that's my biggest concern, but I think Alex on the feet is just going to molly him for as long as it stays
0: on the feet. I like it, man. I like to hear that because that's the same side I'm leaning toward. So back to the the Samuelsberger fight, he is going to be my best bet. But I, I did get him at minus 145, and at those odds, it was an easy bet for me. And, and now sitting at like minus 220, I don't, I don't know if I pull the trigger on that, being honest with you. But I, I do think that he's the, the right side for me here. I think he's a guy that I always looked at, to be honest with you, as not really the highest. But I think the guy's made clear improvements since coming into the UFC. He's got real power. In his eight UFC fights, he's landed nine knockdowns. The guy is the true welterweight here. He's the one who's coming in here with a full fight camp. You know, so Euros coming in on short notice, going up a weight class, taking a lot of the advantages he had with size and length away for, at lightweight. Um, there is a possibility of, you know, of Samuelsberger having to uh, be tough early, withstand a tough fight because Euros in the, in the first round is very dangerous. But I do think he's a very front-loaded fighter. That's where all his finishes come and I think he's going to fade after that. And i also bring into question his durability. I don't think he takes the, the punch as well. I, I like the cardio. I like the toughness. I like the grappling upside. Um, a lot of things I like about Samuelsberger. Samuelsberger, proven to me, like Fletcher, like Jeremiah Wells, um, like Morona. you got to grapple this guy. You know that's how you beat him is to get him down, and and Euros is just not any. He's a striker. Euros is not anybody that I think has wrestling upside here. So I do think he's sixty-five to seventy percent here, and I think after round one that number is going to climb even more toward the favor of Matthew Samuelsberger. So I hate it's become a mush bet this week, but I do have great closing line value, and so that's why I'm going to make him my best bet this week.
1: Nice. Uh, we'll move on to the quick pick section of the podcast. We start off the night in the flyweight division, Miranda Mavic versus Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, it's surprising that there's a woman fighter that's four and one and coming in at this big of a dog against another fighter that's you know, one and three. A loss. Yeah, one and three in
0: their last four. That's nuts. I'm picking Miranda Maverick. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Miranda Maverick and got the under two and a half there. Samusburger, Euros Um, I bet the under two and a half there earlier today as well. Um, and, and got the closing line value on Samuelsburger, so he's my pick.
1: Um, mm-hmm. uh, no, I don't know. I think the line's tripping me out. I got Euroshmedic. I don't think okay. that I think it's gonna be a fight. It's gonna be a barn burner, I think, You're regardless. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I'll take Euroshmedic just because of the line now. Uh, move down, back down to the men's flyweight, C.J. Vergara versus Vinicius Salvador. I've got C.J. Vergara. I think that he's a really tough fighter, um, but you're right. He kind of doesn't, doesn't have the tools that maybe you do need to slow down somebody like Salvador. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Vergara's the
0: pick for me, but not with any confidence. I won't be playing him this week. I got a 1.5 unit bet on Vinicius Salvador uh, as an underdog, so he will be the pick this week. Uh, Got a lot of bets on this card, man. Jake Matthews versus Darius Flowers, another one that I hit the under two and a half at. Uh, Flowers coming in on short notice pretty much seems to be a round one or bust against a guy who, in my opinion, even at his young age, is a vet in the UFC. And I think Jake Matthews is going to get a a round two stoppage. Um, Yeah, I'm going with Jake Matthews as well. Yeah, I'm
1: going with Jake Matthews as well. Moving up to the middleweight division, Roman Kapalov taking on Claudio Ribeiro.
0: Uh, I'll take Roman Kapalov here. Yeah, I got Roman Kapalov for the finish as well. I, I just don't expect <laughs> Ribeiro's gas tank to be good late in this fight. Uh, speaking of bad gas tanks late in the fight, Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rogerio Lima. I'm going to have to side with Rogerio DeLima uh, to get the job done inside the distance. Um. <laughs> I can't.
1: I don't know. I think Derek (laughs) Lewis has reached heights in his career that Marcus Rogerio DeLima could never dream of. I really do believe that. Um, So even though I thought that he was the biggest fraud in the top five for the last five years in the UFC, I've got to go Derek Lewis here. If he loses to DeLima, I really hope he hangs it up, you know, like it's just the dunzo after that. Uh, So I'll, I'll go Derek Lewis here uh moving down to the welterweight division Trevin Giles versus Gabriel Bonfeme uh looking to re- avenge his brother's loss yeah. uh, this <laughs> t- past week so i'm a <laughs> no i can't go Officer Giles i'll go <laughs> i'll go Gabriel Bonfim here dude
0: yeah i uh i definitely think he's the better brother um and the one who's more warranted of a prize tag like this um compared to his brother uh, interested to see him in his first performance, though. Man, they got him in the prelim main event, uh, you know, and clearly probably to highlight the undefeated fourteen and zero guys. So I think the UFC's got high hopes for him. He's going to be my pick as well. Uh, and then to kick off the pay per view, Kevin Holland versus Michael Chiesa. Styles make fights, plus one thirty, 130, plus one thirty five. I had to take a flyer on Michael Chiesa.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to look past the Chiesa Neil Magny fight, but no. I've got Kevin Holland. Even as a minus one forty favorite here, it's tough to play him. But I've got Kevin Holland here. Um, moving down to the lightweight division, Tony Ferguson versus Bobby Green. I've got Bobby Green here.
0: Yep, I have got Bobby Green as well. I think T. Ferg is. I think he's washed in the octagon and having issues outside the octagon. Man, this.
1: He and needs nobody to,
0: to tell him the right thing. Exactly, he needs to. He needs to hang it up soon, man. Uh, Wonder Boy versus Michelle Pereira. Although I don't like the line, cheering hard for Wonder Boy, going to be my pick.
1: Yeah, Wonder Boy's the pick for me as well. Like it. Uh, to the co-main event, Jan Blachowicz taking on Alex Pereira. I got Alex Pereira here. I just don't believe that Blachowicz is going to be able to rely on the wrestling that everybody seems to think he's a stud at.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Alex Alex Pereira inside the distance is going to be my pick. And then Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. I have hit the over two and a half. I do think this could go to decision, honestly. Like, both guys, easiest matchup to get back toward the title shot, and I don't think they want to blow it by being stupid. I think they got to watch their gas tank at elevation. Justin's much more poised this time around. Gechi to pick, over two and a half, I bet. Yeah, I'm not sure that
1: Poirier has a five-round decision in him right now at this point in his career. Uh, but I do think, especially with Justin's changes in his game and his style mm-hmm. and everything, that he does. So Gechi,
0: I agree. That is my pick as well. Nice, man. 12 total fights going down in Salt Lake City uh, on Saturday night. We talked the best of them, gave out the best bets. Hopefully they cash this week, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.